Hi everyone and welcome back to the River Heights Buzz Podcast. This is episode 109. We are your hosts, I'm Alexa. And I'm Candice. Today we are talking about Files book number 90. It's titled Stage Fright. Mm-hmm. And I was not expecting snow in this one, if I'm being honest. <laughs> no, I wasn't either. And that was one of the things that I was going to mention to you, at least in the books that we've read so far. I don't recall it being said in the book a very specific time of year, because this says December, specifically around the time of Christmas. Yeah. But hey, it's going to be December in a couple weeks. Yeah, I mean, it'll be here before you know it. I don't know about you, but I've been Christmas shopping already. Yep. (laughs) So it's never too late to start early, you know, because time just marches on and it'll get away from you. Yeah. (laughs) And depending on what day this episode comes out, it's Candace's birthday week. (laughs) Yep. Uh, hopefully had a very nice birthday. Hopefully, but my birthday's on a Monday and I work that day, so... Uh, I mean, you know, I, I really can't complain because, you know, you have a job means you're making money, so that's always good. But, you know, you know how birthdays get when you become an adult. Yeah, I do. It's not quite as fun as when you were a kid. <laughs> My birthday's going to be on a Monday, too, so I'm not going to... I'm kind of in the same boat, you know? Yeah, you understand the struggle. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Other than that, there's not really any newsy stuff. No. Not that I can think of. All right. Without further ado, let's get into this book discussion, shall we? Okay, I'm ready. Do you have a description and date of publication for us? Yes, I do. The description of the book says, Famed actress Evelyn Caldwell has put her career and her money on the line. Her ambition is to transform a Connecticut barn into a big-time theater but the play she has in production may turn into a real barn burner. Someone has threatened to bring the house down in a single burst of flame. That's when Nancy gets into the act. Together with Ned and George, she's come to the New England countryside to search behind the scenes for a saboteur. She also begins to suspect that a certain female cast member is out to sabotage something else her own relationship with Ned. The plot is heating up, and Nancy's the one who stands to get burned. The publication date that I have is December 1st, 1993. I guess my first question, because I can't really recall if it's mentioned or not, but is Evelyn Caldwell like a retired actress? I think so. Okay, because I'm confused because the way that I read the book is that she was very successful. So I'm not sure why she doesn't have a lot of money. Like, why 
everything is on the line for this little community theater. Yeah, that makes no sense. Yeah. Like, you would think that if she was, like, this big, huge actress that everyone loved and was in all these films that were successful, yeah. why doesn't she have more money? Yeah. I mean, jumping way ahead, there's mention of her, like, winning, like, major awards and stuff, and it's like, mm, unless you, you made, like, bad financial decisions along the way, I'm not really sure why all of your money is in on this. You would think that she would have some kind of cushion. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. But, oh, well, the book opens up with Nancy, Ned, and George. No Bess. Bess isn't even mentioned until literally, like, the page before the last page of the book. Literally. Seriously. <laughs> like, I was just sitting there, I was like, wait a minute. They literally haven't mentioned Bess at all. Uh-huh. So weird. George is acting like Bess in this book. She is, which we'll get into, but she is. You're right. So, like I said, Nancy, Ned, and George are in Connecticut because an old family friend of George is a famous actress who has bought a theater and it's being threatened by someone who says they're going to burn it down, like you said. Um, the book opens up, like I said, it's December. There's a massive thunderstorm. Which I thought was really funny because I don't think it typically thunderstorms up in the New England area in the winter, but it has down here before. Um, Like, I remember one time, um, it was actually Christmas Day when I was younger. We had a massive thunderstorm, and then the temperature dropped, and then it started snowing instead of raining, but there was still thunder and lightning with the snow. (laughs) <laughs> doesn't happen often but it kind of you know stresses me out thinking about it you know with the winter and the snow and the ice and all that stuff and then the rain comes down mm-hmm. I feel like that makes it a heck of a lot more dangerous to drive especially mm-hmm. yeah. you know what I mean so yeah yeah I feel like I say this all the time I feel like most of the books we've read so far there's at least one storm that yeah. happens But regardless, they are on their way to um, meet this old family friend of George. And we find out that a couple of big name actors, Matt Duncan and Laura James, are going to be like the lead characters in this play. And George has a massive crush on Matt, but she's like weirdly defensive about it. Like, there's no need to be like that, in my opinion. No, like... Everyone has crushes. It's not that big of a deal. But how often, realistically, if you were to go kind of like in their shoes and you were George, how would you feel if you met your celebrity crush? I mean, that's true. (laughs) That's true. You can't totally blame George for acting the way she's acting. Mm -mm. But at the same time, you would actors are kind of like almost everyday people in a way yeah unless they're total snobs i'm sorry but you know it can work both ways yeah for sure it's at this point that uh we start learning about some of the other people that are involved with the production um including joseph bruner who is the playwright 
uh, a woman named Emily, who is the cook, and her husband, Ed, is the groundskeeper at the theater. Um, Fiona Sweeney is the technical director, and then there are, like, several interns and other people that are working there. We find out that the theater was super expensive, and it's been kind of a change because apparently it used to just be kind of like a summer type of theater. But um, since acquiring the property, Evelyn has had it updated to be like an all year type of deal. So it had to have work done. And uh, the play that they're going to be putting on in three days time is called Alias Angel Divine. Uh, Apparently someone is leaving notes that say when the curtain comes up, it'll be in flames. Yeah, like super dramatic. Yeah. So oh, that drama. I it's know. Like, it almost reminds me of the best pose in Alibi and Ashes at the ice cream shop where she's just being so dramatic. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Here's another question slash issue that I have with this. So the next thing that I have in my notes are that the notes that are being left match the computer typing of the theater computer, but everybody has access to it. That's not a thing. Like, you can change the font of any computer and they can match all other computers. Like, it's... And they were talking about, like, the printer and stuff, and I'm like, a printer is a printer. Like, <laughs> And my question is, why does everyone have access to the computer and printer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because in theory, this is in the theater office. So, like, the actors don't have any reason to be in there. Stage crew, I wouldn't think, has any reason to be in there. Um, I mean, I would think that just office workers for the theater, like, uh, administrative, secretarial type of roles would have access to that. But really, no one else. Yeah. Kind of weird. We find out that Evelyn trusts everyone at the theater and says that she has no idea who could be behind these threats. Um, We learned that there was a small fire that happened in the green room because someone left cups on a hot plate, but it was caught pretty quickly and put out. Uh, Evelyn has everyone on. um, Everyone wants this whole production theater to be successful. um, And she basically says, Everything's riding on this. If this production doesn't work out and the theater doesn't work out, I'm going to have to sell it. So there's a lot riding on this. Three days till opening night. And my issue with the office is, because obviously anyone can access it, mm-hmm. there could be important information in there. Or money. Money too. Yeah. Yeah. So anyone could go in there, trash the place, get important information. Mm-hmm. Or anything else. So. (laughs) Yeah. Then we find out that there is a neighbor down the road named Charles Ferguson who has made an offer on the property through his attorneys. He actually hasn't spoken or met Evelyn in person. But through his counsel, he wants to buy the property. Um, And then it's at that point that someone suddenly bursts in and says that there is a fire at the theater and Nancy looks out the window and sees flames. So they all rush out and realize that it's not actually the theater that's on fire. It's the prop shed. Um, They eventually get it put out, but a lot of the props are ruined, which means they're going to have to be recreated, which takes time and money. 
Nancy and George and Ned meet most of the rest of the crew at this point. And Nancy's poking around the fire and sees a bunch of old scripts of the play and wonders if maybe that could have been used to start the fire. Um, and then it's at this point that they head to the lodge to eat and Matt and Laura show up. And I put all these people have really strong personalities. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of the, the old um, theater type kind of stereotype, you know? Yeah. I was going to say, like, these are theater people. They're going to have some kind of strong feelings and personalities. <laughs> Big egos, yeah. And my thing is, is when Joseph was, like, they met, they met Joseph, and Ned called him Joe. And he, and like, freaked out. I'm like, a lot of people don't, like, if their name is Joseph, a lot of people that I know just go by Joe. Mm-hmm. Like, I know people have preferences, I get that, but did he need to be so mean and rude about it? Yeah, he was, like, super rude about it. <laughs> to the point that it was uncomfortable. And he's he was like that the whole book pretty mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Hey. We learned that the woman that barged into Evelyn's house and told everyone about the fire is named Marla. Um, and she is characterized as being like super forgetful, constantly looking for stuff. And um, she's looking for her knitting at that point. And she asked Nancy if she wants to go and see the theater. And of course, you know, Nancy does. So she and Ned and Marla head that way. And they're kind of just looking around. You see like scaffolding on the stage where they're still working on it and all. And Marla's walking around looking for her knitting when she trips on a rug and falls. And then the next thing we know, the scaffolding is falling towards her like it's going to crush her. And she literally just said, watch where you step. Yeah. And then promptly trips, which that would be me, 100%. Um, for, for most, at least like the first half of the book or a little more, Marla is obsessed with finding her knitting and her glasses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like. Yeah. Hey. Luckily, Nancy and Ned were there, so they were able to pull her out of the way before she gets hurt. But with the scaffolding falling, it ruins a large portion of the set. So Nancy looks around and saw that it was a booby trap with fishing line, which is like one of the oldest tricks in the book, because obviously fishing line is clear. Very hard to see unless you're, like, right in front of it. So, pretty too, Especially, too, if it's kind of dark, depending on where you are, and you can't see it. Mm -hmm. So, that could be another thing. Exactly. Nancy, of course, wants to call the police, but Evelyn is worried that they'll shut down the theater. So, she doesn't want her to call. It's like, okay, kind of suspicious, but okay, whatever you say. Nancy told Evelyn what happened, and in order to try to keep Nancy's cover and not let anyone know that she's investigating or that she's a detective, she tells Evelyn what questions to ask everyone. And it turns out that everybody had alibis except for Matt and Joseph. So Ned at that point is talking with Laura, which makes Nancy jealous, which is a recurring theme that we see in the Files books. Like, honestly, I feel like Nancy is more overprotective of Ned in these books than the mystery stories books. Yeah, for sure. I'm like, Nancy, just, like, I know that you love Ned, 
and you are jealous, but back off a little bit. Yeah, like he's not going to do anything. Let the man breathe. It's fine. Like he, he's not like five. Mm-hmm. Like he's older than you. Mm-hmm. By at least a year. Yeah. Or two. I, I think about a year, maybe a year and a half. Yeah. Nancy and George go and look at the office printer and computer, but they don't figure much out. Evelyn, at that point, takes them to their cabins that they're going to be staying at, and they start talking everything over. And it's at this point that Nancy teases George about Matt, which was the wrong thing to do because George gets super mad and storms off. Um, I wrote in my notes, George, don't be so dramatic. You tease Bess all the time for similar things, and she does not leave in a huff. And this reminds me of the crush she had on Nick Falcone in the final scene. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sure. Like, if you do it to Bess all the time, obviously Bess isn't here, you got it right back at you. Yeah. So now you know how it feels. Yeah. Don't, don't dish it out if you can't take it. Mm-hmm. As much as I love George, don't get me wrong. Sometimes she needs to be put in her place. It's true. Just like the next person sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Like I said, George took off. Nancy then hears singing outside and sees Ned and Laura walking, which makes her mad again. So she goes and decides to brush her teeth. And by the time she comes out of the bathroom, there's a note on her bed saying, I know who you are. Stop playing with fire. Go home before you get burned. Uh, so I have a question about Ned and Nancy. The whole thing. So, you know, Ned stayed back to play cards. Mm-hmm. And Nancy was, like, just not happy with that. Mm-hmm. My thing that I was thinking of, maybe Ned is staying behind to maybe hear any kind of information. Exactly. So why was Nancy getting in such a huff about it when she should be thinking of branching out and trusting Ned and trusting his gut if that's actually what he was doing? Yeah, which I feel like that is what he was doing. But I feel like these books were written in a way to cater more to the older teenage girl crowd. Teenage girls love the boy drama. Yeah. So... That's why I think we get a little taste of that in each of these books. <laughs> yeah. And and how did Nancy not hear anyone come in her cabin unless they were just like James Bond or something <laughs> without making any noise? I think they had to just been a combination of two things. One, extremely quiet. And two, been able to mask any noises over her running water in the bathroom. It's the only thing I could think of. Could be. After reading the note, Nancy looks outside and she doesn't see anyone. So no clue where the note came from. Next morning, she goes to see Ned and he's like just woken up, says that he'll meet her at the lodge. That makes her mad again. Girl drama, you know. (laughs) Classic. So she then goes to see George and she apologizes. So they make up and everything is good. And Nancy tells her about the note. And so they plan to have George watch the rehearsal 
and Nancy and Ned are going to like search the grounds, the theater, that kind of thing. So they get a tour from Ed, the groundskeeper, and learn that the backstage area is small. So that's why there was a prop shed, because there just wasn't a whole lot of room. Nancy finds a kerosene container near a bush and takes it back to her cabin, you know, as evidence. Um, they eventually go to watch the rehearsal and literally everything is going wrong. So much so that Matt gets mad and takes off. And so Laura, of course, asks Ned to fill in, which again makes Nancy mad. So he does. And then Nancy realizes that George is gone. So she then runs in at that point and says that she needs help because Matt fell in the river. Like, that's so dangerous, besides the fact of getting hurt, but it's December in the north. It's cold. Very cold. They go to rescue him. George had already got him out of the water at that point, and so it turns out that he hurt his ankle, so they had to call for an ambulance for him to get checked out. So how did George get to Matt before Nancy, when I thought that Nancy left before George? I don't think she did. I think George left before Nancy did. I think... Nancy was so caught up in Matt taking off, Laura then asking Ned to fill in. I think she was so distracted by being mad about that that she didn't even notice George sneak out. Like, I know that George snuck out, but then George came back to tell everyone what had happened. But then she left again. Yeah, I guess it just happened really fast. I guess. And maybe George thought, too, that because Nancy was there... Nancy could do some snooping and then yeah. George could do, go somewhere else. Yeah. Matt says he wasn't paying attention and he fell and Nancy sees the broken railing, but it looked like it had just been rotten and not tampered with. So he gets taken to be checked out and later on the hospital calls and says that he's okay, but he does have a stress fracture and a bad sprain. So he's going to have to be in a wheelchair. So they're going to have to change the blocking of the play for that to account for him being in a wheelchair. So Nancy and George are discussing who could have been responsible. And then at that point, Evelyn asked them to take her horses out for a ride because they were getting restless. And it's at this point that it starts to snow. So the girls head back to the theater after taking the horses out. And, um, All of a sudden, a car comes rushing at the girls, and it startles George's horse, and she eventually loses her grip on the reins, and her feet come out of the stirrups. And so she's, like, holding on to the horse's neck so that she doesn't fall off. Like, that's so dangerous. And I will say, horses owned by a past actor, very fitting names. Yeah. (laughs) and they're named bravo and applause yes but okay so you're gonna laugh at me every time that i was reading this book and i was reading about the horses i don't know it's just the way my brain works i swear i'm not dyslexic or anything like that like i promise i'm not and if you are you know nothing wrong with that more power to you i read applause every single time as applesauce so I was just calling the the horse applesauce in my brain. So it was applesauce and bravo. 
God, this reminds me, I don't know, you know um, the actress uh, Florence Pugh? Uh-huh. And Timothy, or Timothée Chalamet, the French yeah. actor. Did you see the clip where Florence was talking about Timothy? How she thought she knew how to say his last name? Yeah. <laughs> so if you haven't seen the video, Florence is kind of saying, I guess with her family, where she's trying to say his last name. So instead of saying Chalamet, she would say Chalamala Bing Bong. <laughs> yep. And so, and then something later on had happened. And then she was like, yep. Instead of saying Chalamet, she was like, yep, that's Timothy Chalamala Bing Bong. Yep. But, which is, you know, everyone has their own way of saying stuff. Yep. No. So. So the horses in this book are applesauce and bravo. On Candace's side. <laughs> <laughs> That's Nothing just wrong. How my with brain that. works. <laughs> it's okay. Um, <laughs> At least we can laugh about it. Exactly. <sighs> so, eventually, George is able to get the grip back on the reins, and she gets her feet back in the stirrups, and so everything's okay. She's able to slow her horse down. Crisis averted. So the girls are trying to make their way back, but at this point, the snow is really coming down. And you know as well as I know, when it snows really hard, it becomes very difficult to see and to mm-hmm. figure out your bearings, especially if you're in a place that you've never been before. Yeah. So the girls end up getting somewhat lost, but they eventually find this big stone mansion and turns out it's Charles Ferguson's house. Slash mansion. <laughs> Slash mansion. Nancy was able to call Evelyn from his house Made sure all was well at the theater, and it was, thankfully. Um, At that point, Matt was back from the hospital, and they had a press conference scheduled for that evening. And I'm thinking, okay, Simone Mueller is at work. You know. (laughs) At this point, Charles offers to have the girls driven back to the theater and says that he'll hold on to the horses for them and take care of them for them. Um, And he also mentions about how he wants to buy the land from Evelyn and he hates that the theater is now year round worried about like the noise and all the people and stuff. And I, I get that, but he's like intense about, about it to the point where it's like borderline threatening. How much of a distance is Charles's place and Evelyn's place? Because to me, how it was described, there was a lot of, space between the two properties that's what i was thinking too and i felt like when he was talking about it saying that there was a theater in his backyard that that's just you know an expression and he was just kind of over exaggerating it because yeah to me i i mean maybe not quite a mile but maybe like three quarters of a mile or so distance is what i was thinking walking distance for sure but far enough that it's not like right on top of each other So, I mean, I see both sides of the coin, you know, like, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily be super happy if there was something like that close to my house. But also at the same time, like I said, the way that it's written, it sounds like it's not that close. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? He ends up having a dark car, kind of like the one that tried to run the girls down. And Nancy felt the hood and it was warm. So it had been run recently. Thankfully, they're able to make it back to the theater. Everything's good. 
and they're talking to Evelyn and she is in a much better mood because someone left her a new note saying everything was a prank. Everything was in good fun. And, you know, Merry Christmas, April Fool's, whatever. And she believes it. And Nancy has a point saying where just because someone said everything is going to be all fine and dandy, nothing's going to happen. Like, stuff could still happen. Exactly. Don't like believe this, it. Like, this is just throwing you off the person's track, essentially. Mm-hmm. But Evelyn wants no part of it. She doesn't want to hear it. She thinks everything is totally fine. Nancy wants to contact the police, but Evelyn still won't let her. So, you know, Nancy kind of just has to make the best of it. So at that point, Nancy heads back to her cabin to change, and she hears Joseph and Fiona arguing. And then the next thing we know, Fiona threatens to kill Joseph, and she calls him a traitor. Super dramatic. So Nancy listens in, of course, and it seems like they're talking about Fiona's mother, who apparently is a famous actress. And Joseph talks about how her mother has stabbed people in the back before to get what she wants. And that makes Fiona even more angry. And she throws stuff and flips a table and essentially lunges for Joseph. And that's when Nancy intervenes and like body slams her to get her to stop. (laughs) It's like, welcome to uh, WWE wrestling. Yeah, pretty much. So Fiona is like super upset and she takes off. And Nancy at that point asks Joseph what the fight was about. And basically he knows Fiona's mother and he wrote about her in the play that uh, a play that he was writing. And uh, apparently that was kind of like his thing. Like he would write about people and situations that happen in real life you know, without those people's permission and just kind of did it and even used stories that were told to him in secret. So, of course, that's going to make people mad. Um, We find out during the argument that his laptop was ruined and he lets slip that the program he uses isn't compatible with the theater computer. So at that point, Nancy leaves and changes her clothes and eventually is able to talk to Evelyn. And Evelyn still thinks everything is a prank, um, but Nancy's going to continue to investigate. And um, the press conference happened and everything turned out fine. There were two dark sedans left after the press conference and turns out they belong to Joseph and Evelyn, respectively. Nancy at that point needs Ned to talk to Joseph and try to find out information Um, maybe that she couldn't find out and he agrees to do that. But then she also mentions Laura and she gets aggravated and takes off without letting Ned explain. Drama. Nancy, if you trust Ned, which we know that she does, Mm -hmm. trust him. Mm -hmm. Let him do his thing. Like, he the, probably the last thing he wants to do is hurt her feelings. Yeah. So <laughs> he's never given us a reason not to trust him. Yeah. So yeah. Ned's able to catch up to Nancy and explain everything and they make up and everything seems to be fine. The next day, everyone is eating a meal together and Ned avoids Laura Ned wasn't able to talk to Joseph at that point, and George wasn't able to talk to Fiona, but they're both going to try again. 
And Nancy was searching cabins at this point when Marla walks in and finds her and forces her way in to help Nancy, which is super awkward. And I feel um, like at this point, kind of Marla was kind of going a little bit in my head where mm-hmm. she's like, she seems fishy, mm-hmm. you know, and she's obviously she was a past actress, too. So she could be pretending to be forgetful, mm-hmm. you know, and wanting to butt in on these things, you know? Yep. They don't find much, but in Fiona's cabin, she has flowers and a letter from her mom telling her that it's okay about the play. And so that makes Nancy wonder why she's still so angry with Joseph. If her mother seems to be okay with the stories being told and whatever, They then get to Joseph's cabin and eventually find research and a manuscript for a play about arson. Oh, boy. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's at this point that Marla takes off to talk to Joseph and Nancy chases after her, but she falls and hurts herself. And Marla completely blows Nancy's cover. You dingbat. Why in the heck would you do that? Yeah, like, yeah, honestly, ruined it. And I don't blame Joseph for getting mad, because how yep. would you feel if, you know, someone was just snooping through your stuff? Exactly. And my point is, why do people not lock their cabins or their personal effects in the first place? Mm-hmm. It's just asking for someone to go through your stuff. Mm-hmm. Especially in today's day and mm-hmm. age. I don't trust this. It's true. So, George is trying to get Fiona to open up, but she's slowly making progress, but hasn't really learned much yet. Ned doesn't really get anything out of Joseph either. Um, They go and all watch the dress rehearsal, and it's like an absolute disaster. Uh, At this point, Nancy decides to go check out the Ferguson place again and to go and get Evelyn's horses since they're still over there. So, Ned agrees to drive her. They get there, and Charles isn't there, but they talk to the housekeeper, and Nancy makes up a story about asking to use the printer, worst-case scenario, because the one in the theater office isn't working. And so Nancy goes and looks at it and looks at the computer, and Charles walks in and catches her looking through his stuff. So that doesn't go over very well. And he is so mad. Yeah, he's super mad. Um, But Nancy tells him the excuse of having to use his equipment in case of emergency because there's something going on with the stuff at the the theater. Um, And she talks about the horses and he wants to buy one of them and he still wants to buy Evelyn's property. So after like a kind of awkward, strange conversation, Nancy and Ned are able to head back with the horses And at that point, Nancy calls Carson and talks the case over with him and asks him to do some research on Charles Ferguson and on Joseph. And we don't know how long or how much she heard, but Marla hears at least part of this conversation and starts talking the case over with Nancy and is just acting super nosy. Yeah, my uh, reaction to this is like, yep, Marla is definitely involved Mm -hmm. so so she leaves and they go back to the theater to watch the next rehearsal 
one of the techs is up in the catwalk and Nancy is talking to Ned and George about how Marla said that Evelyn could be the culprit when all of a sudden a wrench falls from the ceiling. But thankfully, Ned is able to knock Nancy out of the way so she doesn't get hurt. And they ask the intern, Ben, if he was the one that had dropped the wrench, but he still has his. So somehow it fell out of the ceiling, but not by Ben. It was very strange. The rehearsal continues and George is going to help Matt with his lines that night. And Nancy and Ned talk to Evelyn about the next night being opening night. And Nancy tells her that she needs to get more security and more fire extinguishers, which is going to cost more money, but is really necessary. And then later on, Nancy and Ned go look at the catwalk and they go higher up into the rafters with the scaffolding and they find hooks in the wall and more fishing lines. So the wrench was rigged to fall on the place that Nancy had been sitting every time that she went into the theater. So it was deliberately set up. But why would Nancy always pick the same seat? Couldn't she have just moved around? I mean, Nancy strikes me as kind of similar to me in having assigned seats. You know what I mean? Like, when I find a spot that I like, I like to sit there. If I find a parking spot I like, I like to park my car there always. Like, creature (laughs) of habit. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, well. Nancy kind of strikes me as that type. Whoever set this up is smart. And so Nancy's really worried about opening night, that something bad could happen, which is understandable. Um, That next day is crazy. And Nancy was super frustrated that she hadn't solved the case up until this point. Um, She talks to Carson again And he found out that someone had sued Joseph in the past for making a play about private matters of hers, but she had lost. And in her losing the suit, that just created more buzz for Joseph and made his play more successful. And we found out that Charles Ferguson has bought two other properties that had suspicious fires. Something to think about. Um, And then it's at that point that Charles then shows up to talk to Evelyn and doubles his offer for the property. And she says no, but she's able to talk him down and offers to give him a ticket for the show. So he stays to watch it. And then Nancy's like constantly checking with the security guards and everything seems fine. So she takes her seat and the show's about to start when all of a sudden she smells smoke. Hi, boy. So she gets up. And she realizes that the trash can in the men's room was in flames because there was a cigarette that wasn't completely put out. Um, But Nancy's able to put it out and nothing is damaged. And she saves the evidence for looking at later. And so she talks to the guards and they didn't notice anything out of the ordinary. Meanwhile, the play continues on. Everyone seems to really enjoy it. It goes well. The critics write rave reviews about the show, um, which makes Nancy wonder if the arsonist has either A, given up, or B, is waiting again to strike. Yeah. So, the cast and crew have a party after the show and enjoyed their successful opening night. I was thinking that, you know how earlier I was saying that on opening night, there is going to, something is going to go up in flames? Mm Mm-hmm. 
And then with the cigarette being in the trash can, mm-hmm. maybe that could have been one of the ways to for opening night to go up in flames. Exactly. Could have been. <laughs> for sure. Nancy was still being super watchful and was just, you know, kind of watching everyone doing their thing. And she saw that Marlo was really good at playing poker. And she thought about how she had never really considered Marla a suspect. And so she started thinking of her in that way. So she went to Evelyn's house and looked through Marla's stuff and saw all these years of articles and news clippings about Evelyn's success and Marla's pretty much mediocre career. Nancy then put it all back and went back to the party. The next day, everyone kind of rested after a successful opening night. And Charles Ferguson had invited everyone over to his property to go sledding, which seemed kind of strange. Um, But they all went and they had fun. But Evelyn ended up hurting her wrist. And so Charles said that he would take her to the emergency room. And so um, Evelyn and George had ridden Evelyn's horses over there to Charles's house. And so Nancy told her that she would make sure the horses got back to the house. Um, And so Nancy went to get them. But then someone came up behind her, knocked her out, essentially. Um, Typical Nancy behavior, you know. And then she ends up waking up, realizing that she's in the trunk of a car. Um, She's able to escape and she realizes that it's actually Evelyn's car. But she knows that it was someone else that had to have used it because Evelyn was at the emergency room for her wrist. Um, And this is another thing. Everyone has access to Evelyn's keys. Yeah, because she leaves them in the floorboard. I'm like, why? It's just asking for your car to get stolen. Or burned. Mm Mm-hmm. Honestly. So, Nancy is able to eventually make it back to the theater, and Marla is super surprised to see her. Weird reaction. Um, Turns out that performance of the play is going fine. The party afterwards is more subdued than the one previously because there are, like, important people from New York that are there meeting the cast and crew. Um, Nancy then at that point realized that Marla was gone and she sees the light on in Marla's room at Evelyn's house. So she goes and sees that a lot of the articles and pictures that she had found earlier have now been burned. So she rushes to the theater and she finds Marla with lighter fluid and Laura's costumes. So it was her the whole time. Mm-hmm. She wanted Evelyn to fail because Evelyn had never helped her when she was down on her luck and lost her own theater. She said that Evelyn had opportunities with these jobs that she had to help Marla get a job, and she didn't. And so Nancy eventually jumps on her, but Marla is strong and overpowers her and says that she's going to burn not only the theater, but Nancy as well. Oh, boy. Super scary. So, thankfully, Nancy's able to get the upper hand, but the costumes and the curtain catch on fire. But Ned and George to the rescue just in time, and they get the fire out and are able to trap Marla. They call the police. She gets taken away. Evelyn wants to help Marla and says that she's emotionally ill, but, like, girlfriend, you didn't hear Marla talking all that trash about you, so it's like... She might be emotionally ill, but it's like, she doesn't like you. You don't need to be worried about helping her. Like, that's you being a nice person, but, like, she doesn't deserve it. (laughs) 
if I'm being honest. And Evelyn still was like, oh, yeah, Marla's my friend, all this stuff. I'm like, no, she's not. Yeah, she's, she's not. not your friend. If she's doing, she did all this bad stuff to your place. Yeah, she, she's and, not your friend. And she hates you that much. She's not your friend. No. Mm-mm. No, no, no. So. so they're going to have to close the theater for a couple days so that they can fix the costumes and fix the smoke damage and all that. But Evelyn had a few people that are going to back the show for it to go on Broadway. So that is a definite that that's going to happen. There's the possibility that the story could be made into a movie. Um, and then the weirdest of all, Charles Ferguson likes Evelyn and wants to start a relationship with her. And so now she's really not worried about money because he has all kinds of money. <laughs> I that part. But yeah, that's essentially how the story ends. You know, I, I really liked this one. Like I said, that was not the kind of ending that I was expecting to have. Um, but I'm not mad about it. Like, yeah, it was it was interesting. It was different. Um, I thought the story was really good. I thought it was an interesting take because of kind of how Nancy was feeling there. Um, like right before opening night, how she was like really stressed out. She hadn't found out what was going on yet at that point. And I feel like that was kind of a different side that we don't normally see. And then, you know, me, I love anything to do with the theater. So that was good. So this I almost mean, reminds I, me a little bit of um, the final scene a little yeah, bit. Kind of. Yeah. Cause at first when I was talking about the barn, I'm like, is it an actual barn <laughs> yeah. or is it more like a theater? Yeah. So, but yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, it was my first time reading it. Thought it was pretty good. Yeah, same. Yeah. So I don't really have any other notes on this one. No, I don't think I do either. What is happening next week? Uh, next week is going to be a fun one. Mm -hmm. I would say controversial thoughts, but I really don't think they are. Um, we'll be talking about the game ransom of the seven ships and we have kind of a double whammy for everyone we have a very special guest and an interview a two for one look at that mm -hmm. and it's a big episode i feel like too because it's the last game that we're talking about for this year mm -hmm. so that's a lot for yeah. you all to enjoy yeah it's a good episode um the game is questionable at best <laughs> put it nicely <laughs> so we make the best of it you know definitely not one of my favorites and i don't think that that's necessarily a controversial viewpoint um i think a lot of people are in that same boat but we did have some very interesting user comments uh listener comments that were kind of both ends of the spectrum some people do like the game a lot of people don't so it was interesting, you know, to kind of see both sides of the coin. Yeah. So. So stay tuned next week, everyone. Listen to that one. <laughs> a good one. And thank you all for listening to this episode. <laughs> and we will see you all next time. Bye, guys. You can 
find us on Instagram at River Heights Buzz. You can email us at riverheightsbuzz at gmail.com. You can join our Facebook group, the River Heights Buzz Podcast Central Buzz. And you can follow us on Twitter at River Heights Buzz with just one Z. Thank you so much for listening and make sure to keep an eye out for our next episode.